From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. All right, just <laughs> sending off a quick email as we go to air here. Welcome. Mentioned uh, earlier, of course, it's great to be back here in uh, Toronto after an extended stay with the family in uh, Greece. And I sort of let this one hang out there. I said, uh, you know, very uh, adventurous time, very uh, very memorable uh, time spent in Greece with my nephew, uh, North and Zach, my twin boys. And later in the trip, we were joined by the mighty Aphrodite. Uh, particularly after uh, she got wind that North had uh, injured himself. He broke his arm falling off some monkey bars, hairline fracture, what they call a green stick fracture. Had exemplary care, very impressed with uh, the hospitals and the uh, the specialists uh, there in uh, Kalamata. Uh, so she arrives, and I mentioned earlier that so we saw the inside of a hospital and also the police station. Or I said, at least the mighty Aphrodite saw the the inside of a police station, and I just kind of left it hanging there. And all of a sudden, I got this uh, deluge of emails saying, what is going on? What kind of trouble did the mighty Aphrodite get herself into? Well, not nothing, uh, really. It wasn't her fault. I just want to clarify that. Uh, but we got into a bit of a traffic uh, incident. Um, you know, Everything you hear about the way people drive in Greece is true, <laughs> and uh, Athens is is one is one situation. And I've now driven in Athens officially. I can say I've driven in Athens, and uh, I I, uh, I can live to tell about it. Uh, but Kalamata, uh, uh, just a deluge uh, of, of of tourists descend on Kalamata, beautiful location, and uh, the ma- the main sort of uh, drag along the the beach is called Navarinu. And at night, at about 10 o'clock, uh, when people come out uh, and fill the tavernas and uh, this normally sort of peaceful, quiet street just turns into utter chaos and mayhem. And navigating along Navarino at, at that hour is, is just treacherous. It's one of those white-knuckle situations. Uh, so... We, uh, the, the mighty Aphrodite was actually driving the rental car because I was not uh, feeling too well. So we're looking for a, um, a taverna. The boys are in the back looking for a place to eat. And we had never driven along uh, Navarino at this time of night. So we're, she stops the car to make a left-hand turn. And there's only one lane going either direction. Double solid lines, right? Which means you can't cross. That's an invisible wall. So as she's come to a complete stop, signals for a left-hand turn, about to turn onto this little side street to find a place to park, uh, we get slammed by a motorcycle, two individuals on the motorcycle, neither of them wearing helmets, and they went careening off the uh, the, the front end of our uh, the driver's side car, onto the sidewalk, up onto the curb, and again, neither of them wearing... We're watching this happen in slow motion as this driver of the motorcycle, uh, who was... Absolutely in the wrong. I mean, he came up from behind us and passed us, crossed over that double line into oncoming traffic uh, because he didn't want us to wait, or he didn't want to wait, rather, uh, and smashed into the front end of the car. Anyway, uh, it was a very close call for them. Uh, again, not wearing helmets. So it all came out uh, in the police report, but uh, the mighty Aphrodite had to you know, spend a couple of days going back and forth to the police station, and that's why she was there. Nothing serious. Nobody was seriously hurt. Thank God. Um, however, that was our adventure in Greece. Hospitals, police stations, but mainly the beach and the mountains. Wonderful time had by all. I mentioned uh, off the top I was uh, sort of hurriedly sending a, uh, an email 
Uh, we're awaiting a call from uh, Jeffrey Steinberg from Executive Intelligence Review, who we're hoping is going to call. Uh, Jeffrey really made his bones. Uh, well, that's not entirely fair, but he's probably best known for his work investigating the uh, the death of Princess Diana. End of August, we're coming up on the anniversary in, in 1997. Of course, we all know the, uh, the the gruesome details of that Paris crash. Uh, and most people thought it was sort of, uh, you know, put to bed after the uh, an official inquiry. Uh, I guess it was called the uh, the Paget uh, Project, which was uh, headed by Lord Stevenson, and that went on for several years. Hundreds of witnesses, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of pages of, of testimony and, and evidence, and of course they ruled. It was gross negligence of the driver, uh, Henri Paul. But now we're seeing, and again, this is one of these stories that is popping up now in the mainstream news. The uh, Metropolitan Police are assessing new information it has recently received about the deaths of Princess Diana and Dodi El-Fayed in 97. Scotland Yard said it was scoping, quote, end quote, the information and assessing its relevance and credibility. It said it was not a reinvestigation into the deaths of the couple in a Paris crash on August 31st, 97. An inquest in 2008 found they had been unlawfully killed, partly due to the gross negligence of the driver. In a statement on Saturday evening, the Metropolitan Police said the assessment would be carried out by officers from the Specialist Crime and Operations Command. It added the death had been thoroughly investigated and examined by the inquest held at the Royal Court of Justice in London. Reports in several British Sunday newspapers suggested there are allegations the military was involved and that information had been passed to the police by an army source. A Met police spokesman said that the force would not discuss the source of the information it was assessing. A royal spokesman also said there would be no comment on the matter from Prince William or Prince Harry or from Clarence House. A spokesman for Dodi's father, Mohammed Al-Fayed, said he had no comment to make, but said he would be interested in seeing the outcome, adding that he trusted the Met to investigate the information with vigor. Scotland Yard said its assessment did not come under Operation Paget. The police investigation into allegations that the princess and Mr. Al-Fayed, her boyfriend, were murdered. It was a theory endorsed at the time by Mohammed Al-Fayed, the then owner of London store Harrods. But in December 2006, the report into Operation Paget said it had found no evidence of murder and dismissed all conspiracy theories surrounding the deaths. Operation Paget concluded, just like the French investigation in 1999, that driver Henri Paul had been drunk and driving at excessive speed. Di Davies, a former head of Royal Protection, told ITV News the deaths were an accident by any definition and three separate inquiries have come to the same independent conclusion. He added, I'm absolutely convinced this was an accident, so I'm mystified. After 13 years, how any new information can possibly allege anything other than this was a tragic accident. So, we'll wait anxiously to find out about these allegations that someone in the military may have been involved in Princess Diana's murder and that this was passed to the police by an army source, an unnamed army source. So, as I say... Uh, we are awaiting the uh, phone call, perhaps, from uh, Jeffrey Steinberg from Executive Intelligence Review, who has really covered this this story from pillar to post, uh, going all the way back to that very night, and uh, certainly knows probably more about it than anybody. 
So uh, I want to throw that on the table for you if you want to comment on that. And what we'll do now to the bottom of the hour, we'll um, we'll do open lines. If you'd like to comment on Princess Diana's uh, murder and the anniversary coming up, I say murder. I happen to believe that uh, there was foul play. I was in London and we produced an episode on Princess Diana's death for uh, season two, I believe, of The Conspiracy Show, the television program. And I, I spoke with the uh, the head of security, I believe it's John McNamara, uh, who uh, was head of security at Harrods, worked for Mohammed Al-Fayed, and continues to investigate that. And, and McNamara was not only the head of security for Harrods under Mohammed Al-Fayed, he's former Scotland Yard investigator. The other interesting aspect of this investigation is that Princess Diana sat down at one point with her lawyer and wrote this lengthy letter detailing why she feared for her life, who she suspected was going to kill her. And this letter was presented to Scotland Yard, apparently, and locked in their safe and has never seen the light of day. Now, there have been some excerpts of other letters that I believe she wrote to her butler and so forth that were later printed in some of the tabloid newspapers in London. But that's not not the letter I'm talking about. This was a letter she wrote with her lawyer that Scotland Yard appears to want to keep buried 16 years later. Now, also this week, so we have the mainstream media again talking about the uh, the death of uh, Princess Diana and wondering whether there was uh, foul play involved, and this investigation may prove to be very interesting. But the other story that we have now coming out of the mainstream media has to do with another huge mystery and secret and conspiracy, if you if you will, and that is Area 51, which, of course, we have talked about many, many times. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Grant Cameron, Canadian ufologist and author of a brand new book on Area 51, along with uh, Victor Vigiani, our good friend, talking about this very subject. And now, lo and behold, newspapers around the world reporting Area 51 is real, CIA documents show. Area 51 fodder for countless sci-fi tales and conspiracy theories, is an actual government facility, 145 kilometers north of Las Vegas. The facility, which the government long denied even existed, is often the setting of extraterrestrial experiments and government cover-ups in science fiction shows like The X-Files. But, according to CIA documents made available by a National Security Archive, access to information requests, the site was used to test Lockheed U-2 reconnaissance aircraft, well, we've known about that for a long time. While U.S. officials have loosely acknowledged the existence of what they referred to as, quote, end quote, Nevada test site before, they've never officially acknowledged it. Previously released documents pertaining to the site had been heavily redacted. National Security Archives senior fellow Jeffrey Reichelson reviewed the materials in 2002, but all mentions of Area 51 were redacted. But he requested the documents again in 2005 and got the new unredacted versions a few weeks ago. This goes to show the U.S. government is no longer as protective of Area 51 secrets, he said. So there you go. That's that's the extent of the article. I just find it interesting uh, and curious as to why, why the CIA, through the National Security Archive, is finally coming clean and admitting there is an Area 51. Perhaps you have some thoughts on that, and I'd love to hear them. We'll make the phone lines available to you now until the bottom of the hour. The Conspiracy Show, coming to you live from Toronto for the first time in five weeks. Happy to be home. Back with more in a moment. 
shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, welcome back. Open lines to the bottom of the hour before we welcome Joel Skousen, who will join us for the last half of the program. Uh, he, the editor of World Affairs Brief, Joel always uh, has some fascinating uh, information, and we're going to discuss the Middle East uh, and what's going on in Egypt, of course, and uh, China as well with Joel Skousen. That's coming up at first. Open lines and our first order of business uh, will welcome our good friend, media scientist Nelson Thal. Hey, Nelson. Hey, Richard. How are you doing tonight? I'm all right, my friend. How are you? I'm well. It's, it's quite exciting times. I wanted to just get your feelings about it because these are subjects that You've been talking about for a long time, or starting now to break surface again, Lady Diana. Yes, I, I actually am glad you called because, as a media scientist, I want to turn it around and ask you because I, I have to be honest, I'm kind of perplexed uh, what's going on right now. It's kind of, you know, uh, odd. You know, I, you've been covering this beat a lot longer than I have, but I've been, you know, doing this show in different incarnations for about a dozen years, talking about these things. And now, all of a sudden, in the space of a week, we have three Lollapalooza conspiracy-type theories popping up in the mainstream media. The one that's the strangest of all to me is Area 51. So what do you think yes. is going on? Why, why are they suddenly reporting on these things? It, it certainly seems that they're trying to now to – it's a psyops. Well, let's not forget it. It's a psyops. But they, what they want to do is alter human perception and, and – uh, the, the world used to be, we were told it was flat, and now it's round, and uh, all sorts of different things we're told they've gone to the moon. I mean, on the, on the Diana thing, the, the Jeff Steinberg, really, you and I have brought him on, and of all the people who we've ever spoken to, he seems to be the one who was the most closer, closest to the action, wouldn't you say? Uh, yes, he certainly uh, broke a lot of those, um, you know, I, b- I believe it was Steinberg who first reported on the mysterious, on place, you and I. right? That mysterious white Fiat Uno that appeared in the tunnel. I think that was Steinberg that reported that first. A lot of those those um, those stories came from Steinberg. So uh, we were hoping he would call in. Doesn't look like he's going to make it tonight, but that's all right. Well, wh- what do you think of this new information that some military person may be, have been involved in her murder, and this is coming from an army source? Well, it certainly falls in line with things that we've heard before. Uh, you recall that um, we had uh, Sh- uh, Sherman Skolnick interviewing uh, Sir Michael Shrimpton, who was a lawyer for MI5 and MI6, and he talked about how they used the Turkish wet team to take out Dr. Kelly. And so he started to talk a lot about these teams behind the scenes that they use when they want to take people out. And he started to discuss some things and make it clear that this is the sort of thing it was done and used by the British using foreign agents to take uh, Diana out. For the And we went through the motives with Steinberg, and it was rather clear about how um, if she had died, uh, if the Queen was told by her lawyers, so said Shrimpton at the MI5, he said that uh, the Queen got word that if she passed away, that Diana had more authority in her family as a Stuarts being there a thousand years before the Windsors. Yes, she was she related to the Stuarts. And yeah. could, could have nothing to do with Charles. He'd be set aside, and she'd be now the Queen sitting on the throne of England. 
Yeah, people tend to forget that uh, you know the um, the Windsors were sort of Johnny Come Latelys compared to the the uh, Stewarts, and and the Spencers could trace their lineage all the way back to King Henry VIII, I believe. Right. So once Diana separate, divorced Charles, if she became if Queen Elizabeth passed away, she'd be queen. He wouldn't be king. And and That's not talked about much, and that was what is what Shrimpton exposed and talked about on and the, the show. Pot- and the potential of having, as the royal consort, a Muslim. Yeah, exactly. Dodi El Fayed. Well, you know, as as you and I have talked over the years, uh, we we tend to think that just because we live in 1997 or 2013, that that things have become civilized and we are less violent as a species but what we're really seeing is it's just a continuation of the war of the roses but it's all sort of happening behind the scenes nothing really has changed in the last 500 years in terms of the way that these powerful families conduct themselves and marshall McLuhan pointed out that as we get more electro electrified we become more tribal and the more tribal we get the more violent tribal people are if people think that tribes are more peaceful not so the opposite of civilized man is tribal man and he's a very violent species all right nelson uh what about the area 51 let me get your take on that i mean i know that you're not a a great believer in the uh sort of the uh, UFO ET phenomenon, at least in terms of, you know, these being visitors from other planets. And I share your thoughts on that to, to a certain degree. But why do you think the, 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 the mainstream news, or more specifically, why is the CIA now releasing these documents and admitting that there is an Area 51? Well, I think it's important that ultimately, Richard, we've said that it points to the fact that if you're going to gather the kings and armies as the kings are going to gather the armies of the planet together to do battle at Armageddon, they have to have some big, big enemy in order to get everybody a common enemy. And the only common enemy available for all, if, in order to enlist the armies of the world is a evil alien coming back, an alien who's going to attack and take over and uh, enslave humanity. All right. When, of course, the evil alien turns out to be the second coming Christ. Fascinating, Nelson. All right, my friend. Thanks for checking in. Well, thanks a lot. It's been exciting, and congratulations. You're one of the first people who really dipped their toe into the water of the Area 51 and the UFO, and it's really exciting. Uh, It's alleged also, Beter alleged that uh, at Area 51 was where they were the... Some of the Nevada companies also were working, were doing the the synthetic automatons and the doubles. Oh, really? Well, that's something yeah. that, that's an, that's a that's worthy of an hour treatment uh, at a future date. Let's let's talk about that. Let's put that For down sure. on the calendar. All we right. Look forward to it, and congratulations again. Thank you, my friend Nelson Thal. Doubles being uh, churned out at Area 51. That's uh, auto, uh, automatons. These would be doubles, I guess, for uh, presidents and world leaders, etc. All right. Let's uh, check in with Darlene, who is in Hamilton, Ontario tonight. Hello, Darlene. Welcome. Hello. Uh, I have uh, just two questions. Um, uh, The first one is for your new uh, guest that's coming up. I have heard that uh, WikiLeaks, uh, Julian Assange, they say that he caused uh, the up rising in Syria and Egypt. I'm not following it 
that closely, so I don't understand how people are putting that connection between his his WikiLeaks and those two events. Uh, no, I I would find it hard to connect the dots uh, as well. <laughs> and then the second question is, uh, well, that that would be for your guest. And the second question is for you. That phenomenon where uh, you saw the car accident uh, and it slowed down. That isn't, is that's universal, phenomenon. isn't it? I mean, everyone who's ever been in a a car accident or not, some sort of mishap. Not everyone. Not everyone. Really? No. Uh, okay. No, I was in uh, two where the person next to me didn't experience. Only uh, only I experienced it. Oh, isn't that interesting? And uh, I remember this because the one person got very annoyed with me that I wasn't panicked. I wasn't panicked because as the uh, this truck rolled over and the uh, contents went across the highway, everything moved in slow motion. There, It is a phenomenon. It's an unusual one. Um, um, perhaps Buddhism um, might explain it, but uh, maybe you could do a, a program on it. That would be a great... Uh, wh- why do you think Buddhism would explain it? I think I read something briefly about it. Um, I've always periodically asked about it. Uh, I have heard of other people talking about it, and uh, not everyone experiences this phenomenon, but um, they did give a a slight explanation as to what's happening. Not not everyone goes through it. It just everything slows down, and... um, you view it in, in slow motion. Yeah, it's almost like a it's almost like a a, a a variation on an out of body experience. A little bit like that. They said it's giving you extra time to react. It's something to do with some. Um, it is a little bit like that, but I, I'm not quite sure if. Um, and there was a book on it. I'll um, I'll delve into that because I would pendulum I would, something to do with a pendulum. The pendulum. All right. Well, Darlene, thanks for the heads up on that. And that's a great idea. I will uh, I'll try to put together a show on this slow motion phenomenon. They probably have a different name for it, but it yeah. is, with some exceptions, as you pointed out. But it is it seems to be rather universal when when anyone has some sort of a mishap. Uh, there's that, and then there's the uh, the other thing, which is you know your life flashing before your eyes. Thank God I've never had that. Uh, but uh, the slow motion effect is certainly um, is certainly very widespread. Darlene in Hamilton, thank you for the call. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's say hello to uh, Sydney. Welcome, Sydney, calling from Toronto. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Sydney White. I was listening for the first time in ages because I know you've been away. Uh, but I was thinking that John McAdams that you were talking about. Uh, earlier we were talking about John McAdam and JFK yeah. Logic, yes. Well, the strange thing is he phoned me the very next day after I had interviewed Judith Very Baker. Oswald's and, girlfriend, yes. Uh, yes, and as you maybe know, because it was on rents, as I was interviewing her at a family reunion, uh, there was an attempt on her life. Yes, I did hear uh, that um, she swallowed some shards of glass or something. Absolutely. I was interviewing her very up close, six inches away, when I saw the blood coming from her mouth. And uh, she said, there's something in my throat I can't... uh, for those people that don't know, uh, Judith Very Baker was uh, uh, claimed that she is Oswald's. Uh, she was Oswald's girlfriend for a time, and and she did not uh, believe for a moment that Oswald was involved. In fact, she I had her on the program, and she talked about how Oswald was a great fan of Kennedy, uh, and um, 
I guess he 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 found out too late that he was going to be pinned with the with the uh, the assassination that he was a patsy but all along he he thought maybe he was part of some operation to protect Kennedy to save Kennedy and then found out too late no Kennedy was going to be killed and it was going to be pinned on him yes so so what happened at this dinner while her family were enjoying themselves and I was at the top speaking with her uh, I discovered that there had been ground glass put in her food as she was served last, and everybody had a different dish, and I was very close to her. But the next day, and I wrote it up, of course, and it, it went in rents, but the next day I got a phone call, and I wondered who McAdam was that I found out on your show. He phoned me up, and he said, I think she rigged it all herself. And I said, that would be very hard to do, because I've been an investigator for 40 years. I was six inches away from the woman, and if she had... Uh, put anything in her mouth while I was speaking with her, I surely would have noticed. Uh, but that's what he had to say to me, that he taught uh, professor, he was teaching uh, Kennedy's assassination. And so I thought after that, well, I'm sure you pay, they pay you very well, but I'm sure it's disinformation. Um, the second thing that I noted was uh, when Diana uh, was killed, because I know she was, I was uh, at a conference in Quebec, and I was listening to the radio from Paris the very next morning, and a friend of mine and I and several people in the restaurant all were listening to the radio, and we all heard from Paris in French that Diana had said, don't give me any drugs, I'm pregnant. Now, that was denied for years and years, and I told it on my radio show at the time at the university and got a lot of flack. But now I have actually papers in my file. A few years ago, the papers in France let that news out, that yes, indeed, she was pregnant at the time she was killed. Well, this would explain, uh, you know, why she was partially embalmed uh, prior to Prince Charles. I mean, imagine, you know, no, no autopsy uh, performed, uh, and then she's partially embalmed. So one has to ask, you know, why would they do that? Was it to cover up the fact that she was pregnant? Fascinating. Hey, Sydney, we're uh, out of time here, but thanks. Good to hear from you again. Uh, sure, I will. <laughs> All right. Thank you. When Bye-bye. we come back, thank you, Sydney. When we come back, Joel Skousen, editor, publisher of World Affairs Brief, taking a look backstage in the Global Theater and providing some insights for some very troubling times. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We're getting close. We're getting close. Not to the end of the show, I mean. We're getting close to the truth. We're, we're maybe getting a little too close. When you start to see the mainstream media start to talk about the things that we talk about in this program, then you know you're on to something. We're all on to something. And there's never been more need for programs like this than right now when you look at what's going on out there the news is grim there's a lot of uncertainty in the world there's a lot of strife economic strife and then we have unprecedented violence even by the standards of the middle east when we look at what's going on in syria now and egypt especially it's a troubled world folks and 
a great need for programs like this and also a great need for researchers, alternative journalists like Joel Skousen, who publishes a very important newsletter. And we'll tell you how to subscribe in a few moments. But Joel is a political scientist by training, specializing in the philosophy of law and constitutional theory, and as I say, the editor and publisher of World Affairs Brief. Joel Skousen, how are you tonight? I'm just fine, Richard. It's always good to be with you. A lot's happening. Oh, I'll say. Troubling times indeed. It seems like uh, the Middle East in particular is uh, just in flames. Let's get an update on what's happening in Egypt. I think the death toll now uh, over 800 uh, at the time of the World Affairs uh, brief publication on August 16th. It was around 600. This thing just seems to be escalating. Give us a, a, a sense of what's really happening there. Well, it's really tragic because there is no excuse for the security forces in armored vehicles to be shooting into these crowds. Uh, they do have an obligation to go in and, and take down obstructions. It is the right of all the citizens to have access to the streets. Uh, but this can all be done with, uh, you know, not necessarily peaceable measures because you have to use some force to move people out, but you don't have to kill them. What's really disturbing, of course, is the United States claiming that they don't have any influence anymore, there's nothing you can do. Well, I'll tell you, you know, you meet with those people and you say, no more $2 billion a year in aid, it's cut off, it's gone, and that's a wake-up call. Now, what's interesting is that Saudi Arabia has started to take up the slack so that the U.S. has uh, been able to say we're reducing our aid to $1.3 million a year, but in fact Saudi Arabia, through the back door, on U.S. accounts is paying the balance to Egypt. And so uh, this is a very, very sneaky way of doing things, just like everything else the government's involved in. We cannot trust what they say or what they do. It tells us nothing about it's, what the real agenda is there. It seems like the Egyptian military is intent on stamping out the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, there, there's talk now of um, making that organization illegal. Uh, what's what's that work there? Well, it can't be done. The genie's out of the bottle. In, in fact, of course, the Muslim Brotherhood was an MI5 uh, uh, creation, been funded. Uh, they built this conflict, uh, and it's just like moving in and allowing millions of Muslims to come into Europe. They've created this conflict specifically what it does in terms of their ability to... Uh, to uh, justify the war on terror, but they don't ever intend to let the Muslim Brotherhood rule for very long. And that's what uh, surprised everyone, is why in this democratic election, uh, and of course, Muslim Brotherhood wasn't a true majority, but it had a large enough minority to win the election. But it really was a disaster in terms of secular Egypt, and the secular Egyptians are correct. You ought to have free fundamental religious rights, but you ought not to be able to impose religious dogma or doctrine upon all of the people who don't subscribe to that religious doctrine. So I, I don't, you know, and it takes a constitutional change to make sure and they've not been able to do that. In fact, they were going to change the Constitution to allow more and more religious Sharia law. But clearly Egypt would be better off with a secular government allowing the Muslim Brotherhood to you know, have uh, all of the religious tolerance that they want. But, of course, they're not satisfied with that. Uh, what, what we're dealing with, though, is a long-term historical context of torture and secret police work that is back in force. Uh, General Sisi is really a thug, uh, and he's very proud. He's very confident. 
going to be the new Mubarak uh, there if the U.S. isn't careful. But they brought him back to power. They supported him. And what this all tells me, Richard, is with the refusal to cut off and a token canceling of a military exercise, there's no sanction at all. I mean, listen, look what happened in South Africa. I mean, they've done nothing like this uh, towards killing people. It's a total cutoff of military aid, no commerce, no shipping, no funds transfer, confiscated national bank accounts. I mean, that's what real sanctions do to bring a country to their knees, and they're not touching that. So I think it exposes the real globalist objective that they want strongman as, um, you know, um, globalist government there. And I think what they're doing by having Al-Baradeh resign, who's the globalist puppet that was in as vice president, he resigned so that his hands are clean of this. That means they're setting him up to take over as a solution at some time in the future. And then they get their globalists into power into Egypt. And I think that's where they're headed. All right. Joel Skousen stays with us. World Affairs Brief back with more of The Conspiracy Show in just a moment. Stay with us. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Joel Skousen stays with us from World Affairs Brief here on The Conspiracy Show. Uh, Joel, very quickly tell us how people can subscribe to your publication. The World Affairs Brief is showcased on my website, worldaffairsbrief.com. And uh, people can get a free sample issue simply by emailing me at editor at worldaffairsbrief.com. I, I want to move on to, to some other um, I- I- subjects that you've tackled in the, the, the latest issue of World Affairs Brief. But let's just touch briefly again on, on what's happening in the Middle East, because this is a, a tinderbox. I mean, what do you, how, how bad do you see this getting in Egypt? I mean, do you see any light at the end of the tunnel? Or are we going to see bloodletting uh, there for, for years to come? Well, it appears as if they are really going to try to violently suppress the Muslim Brotherhood. And they're starting to arrest, they've arrested over a thousand members of the Muslim Brotherhood now heading for the leadership. They're trying to decapitate the movement. Here's what I think the globalist agenda is. Syria is the main target, as we know, um, and both Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Bahrain, and others are, you know, acting as surrogates, funneling uh, money and arms into the Syrian rebels who are a ruthless lot. That's not going to solve anything in Syria. But the purpose is to take Syria down so that when Israel goes after Iran, that it won't be uh, having or uh, facing the threat of chemical and biological missile retaliation from Syria, which is a major threat to Israel. That's the reason Syria has to go down. That's the reason they haven't attacked Iran yet. What's the role of Egypt? Well, Egypt is a spoiler in this, in the sense that I think the globalists eventually want an excuse to come in and have peacekeeping and occupation forces in Israel. And the way to do that is to make sure that when they attack Iran, somebody militarily strong, like the Egyptian military, comes in uh, and uh, tackles uh, Israel as well. And then at some point, Israel has to call for global assistance from the U.N. troops to mediate. And when they mediate, it's intervention a la Kosovo, where they don't tend to leave. Anyway, I think that's the long-term agenda. It doesn't always work out that way. But clearly the U.S. created the the Arab Spring Muslim uprisings by funding them through secret uh, black operations. Then they're overthrowing those. Libya is still a mess. 
Uh, don't expect once Assad goes down and the rebels take it that they'll last very long, too. The U.S. will eventually call out a globalist to take over Syria as well. It sounds like you're suggesting we're heading into some sort of an inevitable confrontation with Iran here. I am. I still think that uh, the reason that the globalists want to take on Iran, Iran is the only, and I repeat, the only Arab nation, not purely Arab, but Persian nation of the Arab a Muslim group that is started to build into the capability of building their own weapon systems. You know, we talk about the Muslim threat to the world where the Muslims cannot take over the world at all, ever, unless you produce your own weapons. It's not enough to have be supplied by Russia or the United States or any place else. Those arms can be cut off just like the F-14 parts were cut off in Iran and they can't fly their aircraft anymore. So unless you build your own indigenous weapon systems, you can't become a threat. Iran's trying to do that. That's why Iran's got to be taken out. Saudi Arabia's not trying to do that. They're remaining a puppet of the West. None of the other Arab countries are doing it except Iran. I mean, are you concerned about Iran? And do you think then by extension that maybe this nasty chess game that's being played out is necessary? Well, Iran is a threat to Israel because Israel is a threat to all the other nations. I mean, Israel is not just defending itself. If that were true, then I would be very much a defender of Israel. But Israel is a puppet, playing right wing, but actually a puppet of the globalists. President Peres is a puppet of the EU globalist, and Netanyahu is a Kissinger protege. These are not right wing people. They are not for preserving Israel. They are for yielding Israel up to the international uh, community, and they will do that through war. And so there will be no peace in the Middle East. This peace deal and the release of prisoners is only to continue the war on terror. There's nothing that they can negotiate with to get true peace there because of the conflicting interests. So I think war is inevitable. I think in the next little while we are going to see, after Syria is taken down, a major Middle East war. It will not turn into World War III. Russia and China will not get involved to stop the West. The West ruthless taking down of Israel and Syria will only enhance its reputation as the bully of the world. Eventually, some eight to ten years down the road, that will lead to World War III. But that's not in the uh, offing right now. Well, in, in, in terms of, you know, marching to war, just a, a quick aside. It's interesting, a lot, of, a lot of parallels between what's happening in the world right now and what was happening in the 1930s, when you look at uh, the um, sovereign debt, virtually every country in the world is now in debt. Every country now is is printing money like crazy. Uh, uh, so the economic situation, there are parallels there, even right down to the new fascination with Superman. Superman is back in the theaters again. I, I don't know. I just found that kind of interesting. What do you think? And more ominous, Richard, is the fact that there's two major predator nations, Russia and China, that are arming to the teeth. And the U.S. is denial in that, covering for that, and disarming. Just like in World War I, just like in World War II, we were in the process of disarmament as the Germany was growing as a threat, and then as Hitler was growing uh, as a threat in World War II, we were still disarming. And um, there is, once again, a America First a pacifist movement doesn't want us to get involved in wars, but they will put us into one, I can guarantee it. And that's why they're covering for Russia and China 
so that by the time they start to warn Americans about the Russian and Chinese threat, it'll be way too late to stop it. Well, I it, think it already is. I mean, the, yeah, you, you mentioned China and the Far East. This is another parallel to the 1930s. The Far East is sort of rearming itself. I, I, I believe Japan now is, for the first time in many years, building aircraft carriers. They're very concerned about uh, the Chinese strategic threat. What are your thoughts on, on, on China as a strategic threat? Not for us, of course. Uh, they are in lockstep ally with the United States, uh, but that puts them in the position of acting as a trigger for war. I actually think the trigger will be North Korea attacking the South, which will instigate a, a series of reactions that will justify China and Russia throwing nuclear weapons at the United States. But China will and is starting to become an irritant to China, and China is becoming a predator relative to oil-rich islands in the uh, China Sea there after the Shinkaki Islands in, in uh, Japan as well as the Philippine Islands. And they're probing piece by piece, um, uh, mounting higher and stronger military incursions, staying longer, um, avoiding any real confrontation, but they're pushing their muscle around, testing the West resolve. There is no West resolve to stand up to China. Uh, and as I pointed out in this week's World Affairs Brief, China is rearming at a frightening pace in terms of long-range missiles, which they are specifically designing to take out American aircraft carrier groups. And um, with not only sea-skimming missiles with their military, their uh, naval forces, but actual ballistic missiles, with maneuvering warheads that can be guided by satellite reconnaissance satellites to attack shipping out at sea. And that's why the Americans are going to have to stay at least 1,500 miles away from China. Hard to defend, you know, Japan and the Philippines with that kind of standoff distance. China's also been buying uh, a great deal of, of gold, gold, gold bullion. And there are suggestions in the uh, financial world that China is uh, looking to usurp the United States position as uh, uh, the, uh, the reserve currency of the world. What, do you, what are your thoughts? And back it with gold. No, cannot happen. No? Uh, because they're not transparent. In other words, it doesn't matter if they say we have gold to back it. That doesn't mean anything. The, Bank of International Settlement says they have gold to back the Fed. But unless the currency is redeemable at a fixed rate of gold, it's not backable. And so there's no way that the world would accept a Chinese currency with a lack of transparency. And the Chinese will never be transparent about those things. In fact, you can't change out of the dollar. The only reason the dollar stays the world currency is because the Fed has been relative predictable and a predictable bailout source for all of the countries that... Uh, work with the dollar. And they also have a protection racket with the Arab states like Saudi Arabia. They, they guarantee them that they'll keep them in power no matter how corrupt they get, no matter how many child predations they do and, and kidnappings they take to Saudi Arabia. The United States protects them from overthrow within their country, just like Bahrain and Yemen. Each of these have protest movements. The U.S. is protecting them, not letting them fall in exchange for acting as their surrogate for feeding the war on the phony side of the war on terror, which Saudi Arabia actively does, and so does Yemen now and Bahrain. Uh, and that's why there's this protection racket, and it's related to the dollar because they all deal in the dollars in terms of the oil, uh, petrodollars. Joe, aside from uh, you know editor publisher of World Affairs Brief, you also specialize in in um, design and construction of. Uh, secure facilities, and I'm just I'm wondering, 
what your view is. The news, obviously, everywhere seems to be pretty grim right now. How close are we to midnight? I mean, do you see some sort of nuclear conflagration or some uh, impending electromagnetic pulse attack against the United States? Or A lot of people just feel like there's something nasty, something evil this way comes, as, they, as Ray Bradbury wrote. Do you have a sense of that? Well, actually, I don't in terms of the imminency. And there's a tremendous amount of disinformation floating around the Internet about imminent martial law, about imminent economic collapse. And they really don't know what they're talking about. The Fed, who is the one that could trigger economic collapse if they pulled out the plug of support and stopped bailing out and stopped printing money and, and feeding the speculative markets, which they're actively doing, they show no signs of pulling out. In fact, they show no signs of inflating past the 7 to 9% real inflation that the U.S. is experiencing. And because of that, they have become a very predictable source of new money at a predictable rate. And all the other countries in the West love it because they're able to inflate up to the level of the Fed and still keep their currencies on balance with the dollar. So everybody likes the, the existing system, except the BRIC uh, countries uh, allowed, allied with the communists. But nobody trusts them. Nobody you know, to run a world currency. So that's not going to happen. Now, in addition, in terms of an EMP strike, I do not believe that there's going to be an EMP strike done by a terrorist nation or even by Russia and China, because an EMP strike may create social chaos, but it doesn't stop the military, our military, from retaliating, and our military is hardened against EMP. So the best scenario that military strategists say is that EMP will, strike will come some 20 minutes before a real nuclear strike, which will take out major military targets. I think it's still 8 to 10 years away, at least. I'm not predicting that as the war time. I'm saying it. I don't think it's going to be earlier than that because Russia and China still need that much time to build their blue water navies, which they need to prosecute a world war. You can't do it without a blue water navy to occupy. Okay. Territory. Joe, got to jump in here. We're out of time. But finally, some, you know, at least some reasonably good news. There's nothing uh, major coming our way. There is time. Joel Skousen, editor of World Affairs Brief. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Joel. Thank you. And I've linked up to uh, Joel Skousen's uh, website, World Affairs Brief. All you do is go to the homepage and click on Joel Skousen. At least for tonight. In the next couple of days, of course, everything that's on the homepage will be moved to the past show's archives. So if you're looking for uh, Joel's website or anyone else's, keep in mind, you got to go to the past show archives. Uh, but for the next couple of days anyway, just click on Joel. That'll take you to World Affairs Brief and um, highly recommend you subscribe to that publication. Tim Spreen, uh, thank you for your capable production as always. Uh, next week, coming up on the program, episode six in our JFK Connecting the Dots series as we march inexorably towards November 22nd, which will mark the 50th anniversary of the assassination of JFK. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue with the, uh, the JFK series connecting the dots right up until the 22nd with, of course, James D. Eugenio, author of Destiny Betrayed, as we sort of work our way through that uh, major tome of his. And if it's not on your bookshelf, you might want to consider seriously getting yourself a copy. And... I haven't cobbled the second half of the, the program for next week together, but I'm thinking probably uh, we'll hear from Jeffrey Steinberg and we'll, uh, as we approach the anniversary of Princess Diana's 
assassination, quote, end quote. We'll get Jeffrey on uh, to talk about that in more detail. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home, and it's good to be home.